We look at why Lamar Jackson could be in store for his best year as an NFL player coming up next year on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. We're here, as always, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here, making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcasts, all podcasting platforms, including over in video form on YouTube, so you can subscribe for free both in video form and in audio form. And today's episode of Locked on Ravens is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. We're back here after my 1,000th episode. That was on Friday, and, and all the love and, and support that I got for that was honestly incredible. So, so thank you so much for all of that. Definitely made my day, made my weekend. And, and now we're back here on Monday grinding with a new look. I, I teased it throughout the week. We now have a new graphics package here on Locked on Ravens. If you're in audio form, you're thinking, what are you talking about? But in video form, I'll, I'll give you a little tour, of course, on, on the right-hand side there. We're going to have a checklist every day. It's going to be updated of what we're talking about on today's show. So all three segments, three bullet points, Three segments. We got the big logo in the bottom. Then the very bottom, you can watch Locked On NFL next. Where I talk about this exact topic. I host Locked On NFL every Monday, and you can hear me talking on there with our experts across our network about the biggest stories throughout the league. Sometimes, which involve the Ravens. So be sure to check that out. But I'm really excited. I think I think the look is awesome, and I'm excited. To, of course, we had the first 1,000 with the one look, although we didn't do video until a couple of years after I started. But now we will go from 1,001 on. With this new look until either something changes or it doesn't. So as you can see on the checklist, first we're going to be talking about if Lamar Jackson's best season is incoming this year and why the Ravens could have already set him up for that success. We'll get into more of how they set him up for that success in the second segment, both from a personal perspective and from a coaching perspective. We'll also look at some stats along the way. And then in the final segment, I, I wanted to take a look about the, the Ravens' balance on their roster in terms of where is the star power, where, where's the role player power, and, and is there enough of a balance? You know, I don't think you can have too many stars, but do they need some stars at, at certain positions, or can they roll with the role guys and, and be okay there? So tons to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. Again, we are a five-day-a-week Baltimore Ravens podcast, so if this is your first time tuning into our show, welcome in. We do provide that content, news analysis, updates, anything Ravens Monday through Friday. If you're an everydayer, thank you, of course, always for your support. And if you're somewhere in the middle, thank you for your support as well. But let's talk about Lamar Jackson. And obviously, we, we did a lot of talking about Lamar before his extension was signed. We are now very well past that. And then, you know, thanking my lucky stars, that's the case. But now you have an opportunity, if you're the Ravens, to really just push that in the rearview mirror, as I think they have, and focus on the now, focus on the present, and honestly focus on the future. But what you have this year is an opportunity, I think, and I've always compared it, you know, it's not like the Rams, where the Rams, when they traded for, you know, Von Miller, and they went, they really, really traded for Stafford, went all in on that one singular season, essentially. If they didn't win the Super Bowl, it was a bust, and it was an absolute failure. There was no shot they were getting back there. The Ravens aren't in that boat. 
I think this is it's win now, but it's not a desperate win now where like you've made roster moves like signing Odell that, you know, one year deal potentially could be more if they sign him to an extension. But to me, that's where it is. Lamar is the guy that you want behind the helm. Lamar is the guy you want behind center in this, in this scenario for Baltimore. If it was someone else, if they traded Lamar, it, it was hard to envision just who that next guy was going to be. Now you look back at Lamar's best season to date, obviously it was his 2019 MVP season. And we kind of look at how he performed that year. I mean, it was incredible. He went 13 and two as a starter that year, ended up completing 66.1% of his passes for 3,127 yards, 36 touchdowns and six interceptions. He had, he had a 9% touchdown percentage, which was historic. I think it was the second best touchdown percentage NFL history behind, I believe, Peyton Manning back in his Colts days, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I am very much pretty sure that that was the second highest, the second best touchdown percentage in NFL history. He, he was incredible throwing the football that year he had an 83 QBR, which was, you know, by far the highest of his career by pretty much 15 points. But everybody remembers him for the running, which I think it's unfair to him. I think he all, he did so well throwing the football. I think he should be remembered for both. But people remember the rushing. I mean, for him, he was still incredible running the football. Had 1,206 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. Averaged 6.9 yards per carry as well. So you, you can't take that away from him. But the thing that I look at and why I could see, because I, I think everybody looks at it and says, yeah, you know, with Todd Munkin coming in, Lamar's set up to throw the football a lot more. He's going to rack up the yards, rack up the touchdowns. But for perspective on this whole thing, and this is where the stats kind of come in, Lamar threw those 36 touchdown passes in 2019 on 401 attempts. For perspective on how the league shaped up passing attempts-wise that year, the, the, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, nothing compared to Jameis Winston in Tampa, nothing compared to Jared Goff with the Rams. Those two threw the ball 626 times. Now, Winston threw 33 touchdowns, actually. He, he was close to the league lead. He was actually second in the league in touchdowns. So in his league leading or tied for league leading 626 pass attempts, he was up there in touchdowns. Jared Goff threw 22 touchdowns on those 626 pass attempts. If you want to go down the list in top five, Matt Ryan in Atlanta was number three, 616 pass attempts through 26 touchdowns. Tom Brady, New England, 613, 24 touchdowns. Carson Wentz in Philly, 607 and 27. Lamar Jackson, again, threw 36 touchdowns in 401 attempts, over 200, att 200 attempts more, excuse me, than James Winston and Jared Goff. Lamar Jackson threw three more touchdowns than James Winston in 200-plus less attempts and 14 more touchdowns than Jared Goff in 200-plus less attempts. Lamar Jackson will be throwing the football a lot more than 401 times <laughs> this year. I, I can tell you that much. The rushing stats will go down for him. I, I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. And as Lamar said, running can only take you so far. But in terms of what a best season is, I've, I've always been one, if you've been listening to me every day, if you're an everyday here on the show, you know that I evaluate based off of yards per attempt in terms of what dictates to me offensive success. So if you, if you want to take that step and look at what Lamar did that year in terms of that, it's interesting because yards per attempt, Lamar Jackson was 13th. Tied, well, actually, you can say tied for 11th with Phillip Rivers, who was still in Los Angeles at the time, and Deshaun Watson, who was still at Houston. 7.8 yards per attempt for Lamar Jackson. 
That, to me, I think is going to go up as the Ravens continue to evolve their offense throughout the course of this offseason with Lamar Jackson, where I think you're going to find that you're going to see Lamar in a lot more areas to be successful throughout the course of a prolonged state, where in that 2019 season, it was just, it was absolutely incredible how he was flinging the ball down the field, that he was working all three levels, but I think that we're going to see that number go up as Lamar's deep ball accuracy improves. It was inconsistent last year. I mean, you look at some of Lamar's inconsistencies in where you expect him to be better. I expect him to be better with deep ball accuracy. Last year, we, we did see that it wasn't great for him in terms of the, the consistency of everything. I think we saw the first three weeks he played like an MVP and then kind of fell off in that way. Now for Lamar, his, he actually had a career low in yards per attempt last year at 6.9 at seven point. I don't really count as rookie season. Like I I do, but I don't at, at the same time because it was still Joe Flacco's offense. He took over, but I think for Lamar last year, it, it just, I don't know. There are areas for him. I, I to his credit, I think the decision-making improved. I think 2021 was very inconsistent with with his decision-making at times. 2022, I thought he got better. There were still some instances, like I know that the Giants throw to Pastor Ricard across his body where they essentially lost that game because of it. That, that was not good, but that was better. I think Lamar is going to be feeling a lot more confident this season. And again, best season does not mean, oh, he's, he throws for, for more yards or he runs for more touchdowns or he has a better yards per attempt. It can be red zone efficiency. The Ravens red zone offense last year was atrocious. It was terrible. I think a lot of that what you can attribute to Greg Roman, which again, Lamar's Lamar's season, anybody's season in the NFL is not just their season. It's not just their success. It's not just their failure. Football is a team sport from the players, the coaches, the executives and whatnot. It is a full team effort to get a player's best season. That 2019 year, they ran the heck out of the ball. They were incredible running the football and they got the pass game going for Lamar to lead. People forget Lamar led the league in touchdowns in 2019. He has that passing ability. And yes, 2019 was a long time ago. I, I understand we are not in 2019 anymore. We are, we are far past 2019. But to me, I think that if Lamar can improve in areas that he struggled in across the board, or at least has had inconsistencies, inconsistencies in across the board while continuing to excel in the areas he's excelled in, that to me is what defines the best season, not just purely box score watching and box score stats. So in the second segment, we'll continue our conversation, talk about how Lamar Jackson could be set up for the success already from Baltimore, both from a player and a coaching perspective. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We'll be right back here on Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And we are in NBA Finals mode. My Denver Nuggets in the Miami Heat, they, they're tied at one apiece. The, the Nuggets fall last night. I am, uh, I'm upset about it, but... Got to bounce back in game three in Miami, but you should bet on either Nikola Jokic props, Jimmy Butler props, who, who you think wins the series. Do it on FanDuel. They have great promotions every day. They have a safe and secure app and you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action in America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. We're back here, our second segment of Locked On Ravens Monday edition. Kevin Allstriker still here with you with the new graphics over on YouTube. And thank you for tuning in on YouTube if you are here with us on the channel today. Be sure to subscribe 
and also follow along in audio form. Thank you so much for tuning in in audio form, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. Thank you for tuning in here today. I, I think these graphics are so cool. I, I can't get over them. But let, 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 graphics aside, <laughs> move away from the graphics. Let's talk more about Lamar. The Ravens, I think they could see Lamar's best season, even surpassing that 2019 year. But I think part of that is, I think, how they've already set him up for success. You know, Lamar is talented, but he can't do it on his own. A lot of people, including myself, they've been pounding that table. We've been pounding that table to get Lamar Jackson's wide receiver help. I think the first step in that was actually moving on from Greg Roman. And this is the stuff we've talked about, and we honestly talked a lot about it last week, and I'm still going to do an episode on Todd Monk and whether he was the Ravens' best offseason acquisition because coaches count too. Coaches are people too. But, I mean, you think about it. The way that wide receivers in Baltimore, like that combination, the way that was perceived, and, and honestly, it goes before Greg Roman. It goes before Lamar Jackson. We've been talking about wide receivers in this franchise forever. But recently, the way that wide receivers in the Baltimore pairing were perceived is, look, the offense doesn't run through the wide receivers. If you're a wide receiver and you come to Baltimore, you're only getting four targets a game. You're not going to get the targets you want, the yards, the touchdowns. And that's what it was. It wasn't a Lamar issue. It was, honestly, a Greg Roman issue. It was an offense, the system in that issue in itself. Now that Greg Roman is out and you have an offense where I, th- I believe we will see the ball being thrown a lot more in wide receivers, it won't it won't be a tight end centric offense passing wise anymore. It doesn't mean Mark Andrews or Isaiah likely won't get targets. Mark Andrews still going to be a massive part of the offense. But now it's using the personnel you have in with Todd Munkin. He has here see with Odell Beckham. You now can bring in Zay Flowers. And also you still have Rashad Bateman. You still have Devin DuVernay. And you brought in Nelson Aguilar. You're now a, a, a ton more equipped for Lamar Jackson. It is the best cast of weapons Lamar Jackson has ever had. And a huge credit to Eric DeCosta for going out there and actually doing it. Where, you know, a lot of people, after the Aguilar signing, and, and I, I make this comparison a ton, where it's it's funny how perspective changes. How, again, Aguilar wasn't my favorite signing. I, I honestly probably would have just re-signed Demarcus Robinson instead. But if the Odell move happened before Demarcus Robinson, or before Nelson Aguilar got signed, it would have been a whole different narrative. The Aguilar signing got roasted, absolutely roasted. And again, still, still not my favorite signing, but it looks better now that Odo Beckham is in town. And it looks better now that Zay Flowers is in town and that Aguilar can be your 4-5 as opposed to your 2-3 or 3-4. So, right, that, that makes it a lot, look a lot better to me. So Lamar now has those weapons to throw the football to with Beckham and Bateman and Flowers plus Mark Andrews. That, to me, the Ravens have set Lamar up for that. Now, again, there has to be good coaching decisions by Todd Munkin. I I think we will see better ones. Obviously, John Harbaugh factors into the equation as well. It's not all on Lamar, right? But at the same time, Lamar now, it's crazy that that I'm saying this, but entering year six, this is Lamar's sixth NFL season at at the NFL level. After it, he'll, he'll have concluded his sixth NFL season. To me, I think... What the Ravens have done for him in terms of getting him weapons has not been what he has needed over the course of his first five years. I I think, honestly, if we're talking about it, year three, year four, year five, definitely. But now he finally has it in year six. So I think Baltimore has set Lamar up for success. 
but it is a two-way street in terms of the Ravens and Lamar have to work together to get that Super Bowl. And we talked about Todd Munkin too with the offense and with, I think, just the freedoms that this has. I think Lamar Jackson will feel a lot more comfortable in this offense because, look, again, as as I've talked about, Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson just never really felt totally on the same wavelength. It felt like, and this was never admitted by Lamar, this is just my observations and from, you know, what I'm getting, it's literally pure guesswork. So don't take it, don't take any account of it. But it just looked like to me that, you know, maybe Lamar got a little tired of what was going on with Greg Roman. And I think he handled it with grace. You know, he, he never threw Greg, Greg Roman on the ball. I think the closest you can say to Lamar, quote unquote, throwing Greg Roman under the bus was when he had the interview. Uh, was it 2020? It might have been 2020, might have been 2021. But he was saying, yeah, you know, the, everybody's calling out our plays. They know our plays and kind of like that, that thing that he kept saying. I don't even think that was throwing him under the bus. Honestly, I know some people did. I personally don't. But it just feels like there is already more of a connection between Todd Munkin and Lamar Jackson. And with Lamar Jackson saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to get – I have the keys to the offense, a lot more freedom at the line. That's something I've talked about. And this this honestly might be the biggest thing to me where I feel confident in this whole thing. Because with the play clock, is I've, I've made this exact point, with the play clock going 5-4-3-2-1, you know, they get to the line with three seconds. There's no time. They have to snap the ball, take it to lay game, penalty call, timeout. Lamar didn't have the time, and I think necessarily had the full freedom to do it anyway but the time to check out of a play or motion some guy over or load one side of the line or, you know, just figure out, Hey, is is this guy coming off the edge? Where's everybody lined up to me? I think that's going to be a lot. It's it's going to be a huge difference maker for the war. Honestly, it's it's just the night and day of that. And just the confidence that he can have in himself, because look, he can do it. He's a smart guy. He's a smart, very high football IQ. And, you know, just very smart in general, where I think he understands the game and knows what's going on. Like I, I just don't think we got to see that enough under Greg Roman. That to me, handing the keys to your sixth-year quarterback and saying, "We know, you know what? We trust you, Lamar. You can go out there. You, you can do your thing." Obviously, you know Todd Monk is going to have input. You know he's going to be calling some plays, right? He's going to he's going to go out there and do that. But Lamar and Todd Monk, and I think, can work together more hand in hand than Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson did. And I think while we did see Lamar get a little more freedom under Greg Roman, it just wasn't enough year to year unlocking of that freedom. And I think that was a disservice to Lamar. So look, is, is Lamar a perfect quarterback? No, no, nobody in this league is a perfect quarterback, but I think that Todd Munkin gives Lamar Jackson a, a better, a better pathway to success than Greg Roman did the the Greg Roman thing. Look, it was great in 2019. We talked about how historic that season was both for Lamar and the Ravens in general. There just wasn't enough year to year growth to fully say, yeah, this guy can come back. He honestly probably should have been let go the same year. Don Martindale was, I thought they should have either let both guys go or let none of them go. They decided to let one go. And it was honestly the guy that I don't know. My, My McDonald was great. And I think they didn't need, they needed a change. My whole thing was, oh, well, they, they had so many injuries. They'll just let, let both guys come back, see what they can do with a fully healthy roster. And then, you know, if that's what it is, that's what it is. That, that was what happened with Greg Roman. And honestly, I, I didn't know if they were going to actually do it. But I think there's there's a lot to say about Lamar's year. And I'm excited to see what he can do because I, I'm expecting big things from him. And I think Baltimore has set him up for success. They've gotten him the weapons that he needs. Now I think he can go to work. And I think we could really see Lamar Jackson's best season here coming up in 2023. But coming up in our final part of the show, we'll be diving into star power versus role players. Now this Ravens roster is currently balanced. So be sure to stay tuned. So lots to dive into on the show.
We're back here. Our final segment, Locked On Ravens Monday style. Kevin Ostriker still here with you. Thank you so much for being here with us as we round out this first episode of the week. Four more to go. We'll be diving into more Ravens content throughout the week. Maybe the Ravens do something. We'll see if they make a move. I know we'll still be talking about OTAs, takeaways from that. So plenty of Ravens content still to come. But in this final part of the show, I do want to talk about star players versus role players. And I think every NFL team, look, if the Ravens can have a, a roster of 53 stars, <laughs> so you can sign me up for that. I'm all for it. But realistically, all teams have some balance of star players and role players. Obviously, some teams have a lot more than others. I think Baltimore's in a pretty good spot, though. Now you're kind of looking up and down the roster, looking each positional, even go, yeah, like positional-wise – there is a lot to like about what they have because I do think it is healthy and important to have some really key role players that, that understand, like, look, they're not the stars of the show. They might be veterans. They might be younger guys, but they're players that can step in and contribute when either a star is not performing well or a star is injured. But going up and down the roster, I mean, your, your stars, Lamar Jackson is obviously the biggest guy, right? That That's somebody who is a star. I'm I'm not ready to call J.K. Dobbins a star yet. I, I think he is on the trajectory if he can if he can stay healthy, but I'm not I'm not there yet. I think if he has a big breakout, then he can start to have that conversation. I think Odell Beckham is a star. I mean, I, I think he's someone who needs to reestablish himself, but I I would put him in the star category, but might not be like a top star in the league anymore because again, the, the reestablishment needs to happen. Rashad Bateman, I'm not putting him there yet. Again, has to establish himself. Mark Andrews, absolute star, 100 percent one of the best tight ends in this league. Ronnie Stanley, a star. This might be controversial. I'm putting Kevin Zeitler as, as, as a low-end star. Kevin Zeitler is incredible. He is an incredible football player. He's somebody who I think any team would, would love to have on their line. So I'm putting him there. On the defense, Roquan Smith is obviously a star in that defense. Same thing with Marlon Humphrey. Marcus Williams is a star as well. Justin Tucker, special teams-wise, cannot forget about Justin Tucker. So those are kind of like your top-end star talent guys and then you have the role players and a role player to me some people have different definitions some people define role players as oh like they're just okay like they're not amazing they're they're, they're just like they're meh I, I that's not my definition my definition of a role player is someone that is good like a good to somewhat great player so a role player to me i think i think jk dobbins and rashad bateman are two like patrick queen i can throw in this conversation too are kind of too high up on that list to be considered a role player. Those guys are borderline with another year of proving themselves low-end stars to me. But then you have other guys. Ty- Tyler Linderbaum also, I think, is on in that category. But then you have players like Devin Duvernay, who I think is a really good role player to me. Isaiah Likely, really good role player right now to me. Morgan Moses, really good role player right now to me. You have guys like, you know, right now, David Ajabo Odafeoe. Personally, I think Justin Matabike is really good role player guy. Same thing with Michael Pierce. You can maybe look at a player like Iraq Yassin, a really good role player. Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton's are really weird. Uh, okay, I'll put Kyle Hamilton in the, in the Queen Bateman conversation. I think he is a little bit better than a role player. But being a role player is not an insult. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to insult these guys. Truly, an NFL team needs role players to succeed. Like, it, it absolutely has to happen. But I think it's important to have the balance. And so, look, if, if the Ravens go out there and they trade for a Jair Alexander, sign me up, bring bring them in, 100%. You, you can never have enough stars, but, you know, you don't want to fill out the remainder of those spots that, that aren't star players with 
terrible, you know, like, oh, these are guys who should never be on the roster and are terrible and they're making boneheaded plays every every time down the field or whatnot. Those aren't the players you want. You want players who can fill in in case of an injury, are really good in their role, and just can figure stuff out on the fly. And that's what I think the Ravens do have somewhat a lot of while also having those in-between star and role player guys. I don't, I don't know the actual, the actual title I want to give those guys like Hamilton or Linderbaum or Bateman, but it's important to have balance on the roster. And I think Baltimore absolutely does have it. And the Ravens might not even be done yet. Maybe, maybe they do. I hope they do bring in a, a Justin Houston, a Jadavian Clowney, Leonard Floyd, or Yannick Ngakwe. Those guys would be role players. Those guys would be role players. Uh, Marcus Peters, a role player. I think the Ravens have the opportunity to add one or two more of those players to their roster. And, you know, you look at kind of the young guys where you want them to step up into either, you know, good player or role player. Trayvon Mullen is someone who I honestly think a lot of people want some big things from and expect some big things from. I'm excited about Trayvon Mullen. What can Pepe Williams do? What can Jalen Armour Davis do? You know, Travis Jones, how how is he going to fare in his second season? Is Ben Cleveland going to step up? Can Charlie Kohler step up as the third tight end guy? What is Nelson Aguilar at this point in his career, right? Gus Edwards, I think, is a role player. I think that's somebody as well. Patrick Ricard, I think, is a role player. Jordan Stout and, and Nick Moore, two guys. Nick Moore is obviously, I mean, honestly, one of the best long snappers in the league. So those are two players, though, on, on the special team side of things that you, you want to have on your football team. And then the coaching staff, you know, I, I think John Harbaugh, John, there are two schools of thought on John Harbaugh. I think it's either, you know, they love John Harbaugh or they hate John Harbaugh. Some people are in the middle. I personally am, am in the middle. But again, role player coaches are huge. The Ravens made a ton of a ton of changes on their coaching staff this, this offseason. I think it has benefited them. And, you know, moving T. Martin to his natural role. That's really big. I think bringing a guy, a guy like Greg Lewis is really big too. So it goes beyond the players. You know, you're talking about star coaches versus role coaches instead of star powers versus, you know, star players versus role players. But it, this isn't the Ravens' final roster. There might be a guy who gets cut. Maybe there's a, a post-June 1st designation. The Ravens say, oh, we, we really want that guy, and they bring him in, and we, we don't even know about it. Talking today, we don't even know about it. So to me, there are a lot of avenues to improve this team. But right now, I do like the balance between star and role players. And there are a bunch of ways to balance out a roster, right? Young guys versus old guys, rookies versus second-year players, balance on offense versus defense. But to me, the star pl- the star players versus role player conversation, I think I'm very comfortable saying they are balanced in that, in that category. And, and I'm very happy they are. That's all I have you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in today. When we get back here tomorrow, more Ravens content. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.